Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Bring it in, dude. Let's go. No, I'm terrible. At Light that. him up. Hey, here we are. We're in the bleachers. Blum, when when uh, are we allowed to bring up uh, your special occasion yesterday? Yeah, of course. Yeah, right on. I, I mean, you're I'm catching me. You might hear it in my voice. You're catching me, aren't you? I always feel like that's. A I am. I am catching up. That's why I tell everybody, man. It's yeah. like my my kids get my kids keep getting older, but I do not. That's right. That that's my theory. That's funny. Anyway, happy uh, happy belated birthday today is uh, Appreciate you. Uh, the day after Blum's birthday. But you had to work. You worked until 1 a.m., I believe. Yeah, that's the beauty of of being uh, like a, a spring baby. April's still spring, I think, right? Summer doesn't yep. start until May, June. That's and right. I'm, 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 a, I'm a spring baby, so every, every birthday has either been around a Little League or it's been around Pony League or it's been around <laughs> – my wife is still in the room. She's – yeah, she's funny, and uh, and it's always been around baseball. So every time, you know, it's always been the uh, you know mom brings the baseball cupcakes with all the numbers on them and all the seams painted on there, and then you know you get into the big leagues and all of a sudden it's flashed on the big board and you go over four and you're like sweet that was a great birthday, you know I was never the guy that like played on his birthday and was like four for four two home <laughs> runs I was always the guy that like got ambushed with a pinch hit against a closer and punched out the end the end the game or something. Yeah. And then I would be drinking after the game for for various other reasons, other yeah. than the fact that I'm celebrating another year uh, on the planet. But uh, it's it's been good. Nice. Yeah, I mean, we're at least we're in the state of Texas celebrating. My wife came up here to to uh, South Oklahoma, which is you know near Dallas, and we got a chance to hang out. The resort up here is great, and uh, the game was good. Jaco Rizzi pitched extremely well, which needed to. So that was kind of fun to watch. But you know, it is kind of a it's not a buzzkill or lackluster. It's just different. You know, there's always something overshadowing my birthdays. Yeah. Except that your wife came up, which I didn't know. That's great. It's not that yeah. far away. And, you know, your kids are old enough to hang out. Well, happy belated birthday, Blummer. Welcome into the Bleachers, everybody. Happy birthday! Um, this is the Bleacher Blums podcast. As you may know by now, we have uh, Mr. Jeff Blum, mm. the voice of reason on the Houston Astros Pro, uh, po, I was going to say broadcast, podcast, whatever. I got brainwashed. Broad here. and pod together makes yeah. broadcast. That's right. There you go. Broad and pod <laughs> together. It's a pod, a broad podcast. This is a broadcast. And then I'm David Tuttle, uh, and we make up the Bleacher Blum duo here. And you can get us at bleacherblums.com. There's some swag on there, and you can get all the episodes wherever you get your podcast episodes. You can hit Blummer at Blummer27 on Instagram and Twitter. Myself at Real David Tuttle on both of those. So um, now that you've recovered from your birthday, I guess if your wife wants to, you know, get out of the room so you can actually have a real podcast. No, <laughs> um, the uh, the the I guess the topic du jour. We have a couple things to bring up. Um, Angel Hernandez was one of them. Um, but uh, how would you assess? We kind of said the first month we feel things out. I think the Astros are strong. You mentioned Jake Odorizzi. We hadn't talked about that. But we know that he and um, Dusty had some tension last year, and you know yeah, maybe a couple right. bad starts away from <laughs> like, all right, we don't like this guy in the rotation, and he dealt last night. But uh, how would you assess? Uh, we talked about Justin Verlander last time, mm-hmm. um, but how would you assess how the Astros have started the year? And I know the Blue Jays were our prediction for the World Series, so probably that oh, series. Man. I know, but I'm just saying that series isn't you know no, I'm it's saying not they're like good. Oh, 
Yeah, but the Astros got beat by them. So again, how would you assess the Astros? You're not hitting the panic button yet because they've played some good teams. No, they've played some good teams. I'm not hitting the panic button yet. And it's also, it has a lot to do with with history. And I know that in this day and age of analytics where everybody's trying to project uh, contracts are paid upon projections. They're not paid on past value. And that's where the game has kind of changed for me as far as projections. But at the same time, knowing what the Astros have been able to do in the past as far as an offense gives me hope that they can do it again. Because I said this on a broadcast, and you'll it, maybe you can attest to this too, because we go through these long seasons. They're arduous. They're, they're marathons. We always talk about the length and how hard it is, the grind, uh, dog days. And I, I was speaking to the fact that, yes, the Astros are off to a slow start. Yes, the offense isn't doing exactly what we want them to do, scoring five, six runs a game. I still think they have the potential to do that. And right now, when you flip over the baseball card, it's not pretty. But when you flip that baseball card over, and I see you smiling already because you know where I'm going with this thing, is when you flip the baseball card over at the end of the year, guess what? Those numbers are pretty darn close to what they are going to be every single year. When you pulled up Don Mattingly's, you know, it, it had 25, 80 to 100 RBIs, and he was hitting close to 300 every single year. Michael Brantley's another great guy. He'll, he'll get off to slow starts, and all of a sudden, guess what he's doing at the end of the year? 300. So these, these guys and this game somehow, some way, find a way to figure everybody out, and by the end of the year, the numbers get back to normal. Uh, the win, win totals get back to the same. I'm watching on fan graphs. They do a great job of doing almost daily projections and uh, playoff odds. And the, and the Astros continue to be, they predicted them at the beginning of the season to be right around 90 wins. And they still have them project, projected at 87 to 90 wins. So nothing has really changed. There's still a bulk of the schedule to get to where you play the Texas Rangers, where you play the uh, Baltimore Orioles and teams like that that you're supposed to beat. So things can trend in the right way, but it's just funny. And I want to know your thought on that. You know, is there any truth to that? Did you ever feel that way? Because we, having played the game, you sit there and you're going, dude, I am O for May. I'm never going to get better. And then all of a sudden, August rolls around and you've got all the numbers that you anticipated having at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think, I mean, of course, we have probably touched on this topic more than once because of our nature and the way we've, you know, experienced baseball and then life in general is things do kind of regress to the mean for better or for worse. Meaning if your mean's good and you True. have a high yeah. floor, it's great. And I totally agree with you on that. My... My challenge when we're talking about from a professional baseball standpoint was, and we mentioned this more in the context of spring training, my challenge was always I didn't really have the ability to work my way out of things. You know, when you're in double A, triple A, trying to make the big leagues, you kind of True. felt like you had to be above, you know, the median all the time. And that was fine. I mean, I guess if you're in the minor leagues and you're a big leaguer, you should be dominating or you should be ahead of the curve anyway. But I do feel like there was a little more patience with guys that, like you said, that have proven themselves. Um, you know, we talked about Bregman last year being hurt. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he started out the year pretty well. Brantley's another one. Like, you're, n you're just never going to take a guy like that out of the lineup. He's going to hit 317. <laughs> He's going to hit 317 with 100 RBIs. You can pencil it in now. And so I, the reason I mentioned the panic thing is we said, let's look at this June 1st and see where we stand. I think we're getting there. I know the Astros are about... Yeah, the Astros are about 500 right now, but they've played mm. some good teams. They played the Blue Jays. Now, having Texas come back on them the other night was a little bit of a shock. And again, that stuff happens. 
um, you know, one game here, one game there. But uh, I'm glad to see that you're certainly not hitting the panic button yet. Um, I thought Luis Garcia was throwing a really good game, and you, Gosh, I think yeah. you you mentioned uh, that. Hey, and then how frustrating it is it though to for I mean, having pitched in games where the ball's jumping out of your hand, it's moving exactly where you want to. One or two bad pitches can come back to haunt you. Yeah. You know, Luis Garcia's line for me was frustrating as heck, man. Mm-hmm. It was like five. It was like five or six innings. It was probably five innings. Gave up five runs, six runs, and threw 66 pitches, but he was on point the entire night except for one pitch that was elevated that Zach Collins got to. I mean, visually, if you're watching that without knowing, like if they took the score bug off the screen, you'd look at Luis Garcia and go, dude, that guy pitched a great game. Why is he not still in the game? Yep. And I think, and I think, well, because they've given up too many runs, but I mean, that's a managerial (laughs) decision. We talked about Kershaw getting taken out with 80 pitches. It's like, yeah, I, I would agree with you. And that's the eyeball test. And this is where the analytics thing, and we have changed our whole context around sports because you'll hear about a game. I've been you know mentioning this before. My daughter's playing soccer, so I watch a lot more soccer. Um, but when you watch the highlight reel of soccer, because you know it's a two-to-one game for 90 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. there's a lot more action that goes on in terms of yellow yeah. cards and shoving and you know what a great save there. Baseball is exactly the same way. 162 games. At the end, Luis Garcia, I know last year was kind of his breakout year. I agree with you. The analytics yep. would tell you, oh man, five innings, five runs, that's terrible. Nine ERA. Like, why is this guy, you know, what's he doing? <laughs> Go watch his, you know, the swings and misses and his location and, you know, the way he's throwing the baseball. I mean, as a manager, you got to be happy with that. Unfortunately, you know, again, you tip your cap sometimes and sometimes you miss uh, your spot in the wrong situation. I'm sure you would attest to that from a hitter. Like, you know, when you can't hit the broadside of a barn, but maybe you get a little Texas leaguer or duck fart and, you know, kind of starts everything else. I've seen innings where the guy comes in and he gives up a broken bat single, and then there's a ground ball that they give a hit that the second baseman couldn't glove, and it could have been a double play. And we all have been there, and that's the eyeball test. And I think that's why we want to throw um, some analytics in there. But you got to watch the game. Yeah, you definitely got to get your eyes on it. It, it. It's interesting, and you know, you're talking about that Blue Jay series. I think they, you know, every game was a run one run game, which was highly entertaining, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's why a lot of people, a lot of prognosticators, projectors yeah. are saying all that. You know, that's what's going to be in the in a playoff situation. So I hope that does come true. The Astros' offense does need to step it up. We've seen it here in, in Texas a couple of games. You know, Jordan Alvarez is starting to hit the ball hard again. Yuli Gurriel got three hits the other day. Uh, Kyle Tucker's kind of the wild card right now. He'll have a great game and then fall apart and then have another great game. And watching what he's been going through, because there was a point in the game where he's played every single game. Dusty hasn't given him a day off. And Kyle Tucker is a He's a funny dude. He's a good dude. He had a rough rough April last year. Uh, I think in the month of April, hit well under 200, but was hitting the ball hard. It was kind of one of those things like, you know, the numbers aren't what you want, but don't change anything because you're hitting the ball hard, just running into bad luck. So that was a tough mental hurdle for him to get over. But this season, he was hitting under 100 with about 40 or 50 at-bats, which is incredibly frustrating because every stadium you go to now has 17 ribbon boards, 17, you know, gigantic scoreboards where all you do is look up and go, oh, 53. And you're like, oh, I got to change that. And he's a guy that's very unique. His swing is unique, but he's a guy that doesn't use batting gloves ever. And I mean, ever, it could be 150 in Florida. Dude's going to go no batting gloves. It was 40 degrees in Seattle when we were there earlier this year. Guess what? No batting gloves. This guy is, is unique. 
but the game got to him. We had a couple of games back in, in Houston where he actually broke out batting gloves. And that's where I want to kind of have a conversation with you. Have you ever seen anybody, been around anybody that's, you know, the, this game, this game will break you. It, it will humble you. It will test you. And we kind of saw what it did to Kyle Tucker because he started to wear batting gloves for a couple of games. And he actually got three hits in the first game he wore with batting gloves. And then all of a sudden you're going, do I take the batting gloves off? You know, the, it's a, it totally reverses itself. But uh, I've had situations like this. I'll talk about it in a little bit. But I was curious if there was anything that, like if you found yourself in a slump, what was one of the crazier things that you, that you did to try and snap that slump? And let's not go Mark Grace on this thing. Yes. No, I got you. We'll keep it keep it family. Well, you know, that was We've all. We've got my, standards. That's right. Well, my, yeah, and some people do not. The uh, You know, it's funny when you mentioned that pitching and hitting were so different in that regard. Like, you guys could change your bats or not use gloves or, I mean, as a pitcher. And it's more day-to-day. That's right. You're different. Kinda, that's right. You're out there on an island. And I did have some slumps in the bullpen, and I did have a couple gloves. Maybe I would change my glove. But I, I thought okay. usually it was like a T-shirt or something like that, like my yes. undershirt. I'd be like, all right, hey, I've had three scoreless outings in this undershirt. I sometimes, I guess, depending on how many pitches I threw in an inning, if that was the bullpen, I mean, I wasn't the don't wash the shirt kind of guy. I mean, especially if you're going to throw <laughs> six or seven innings in that thing. But when you're oh, struggling. Some of these minor you, league cities we played in where it was hot as balls again. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we talked about, like, you know, we're not that old. You know, you had a birthday yesterday. But, man, some of these uniforms, now they've got everything dialed in. But, you know, I had some of those yeah. old uniforms and we just had the cotton T-shirt. You know, you had to use three oh, T-shirts for a dude, start. I remember but, that. But the slump thing is interesting because, you know, you want to stay true to yourself. That's what got you here. You mentioned the ribbon boards. It's funny because I don't go to as many games. I think, you know, I go, I usually visit you when you come out to Anaheim and those boards are huge. And you're like, what is that guy? And I look at it every at bat too. And you're thinking, oh, dude, the players everywhere. play it off. Yeah, but the players play it off. And I remember in, pitching in Rancho Cucamonga was kind of the first minor league ballpark that had a radar gun. That was hilarious oh, wow. to watch pitchers. Like it was under the scoreboard, right? So you throw a pitch and you, yeah, you know, you would try to Break be more subtle. You go back to the rosin bag, right? And you're like rubbing the thing and you just take a glance up there. Like, what did, what was that pitch? <laughs> take a peek. Man, what that an felt idiot. Good. Yeah, that felt good. Oh, 89. No, that's not good. 93. Yeah, Ooh, that's harder. pretty good. <laughs> because that, that's going to make you successful. Throw harder. Right. Crack the ball goes farther. Anyway, oh, so. Let's get back to the question. So the slump thing is interesting because, yeah, like, you know, you had three scoreless outings, you're wearing the same T-shirt. Then you struggle and maybe you change a T-shirt. There was always something. People, we've talked about this probably in the first five podcasts, the superstition. It's not mm -hmm. a superstition in the sense that you need to do this or don't need to do that. You mentioned Biggio with the gum on the bat. That thing was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, those are the kind of things you do. If things aren't going well, with the way you're doing it. I do this in regular life as well. I mean, the def definition of insanity is to keep doing <laughs> the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Like if yep. you want a different result, you got to change something up. So whatever that is, I mean, we can imagine, you know, we know Mark Grace is probably at one end of the spectrum. And then, <laughs> you know, wearing a different par pair of shoes is probably at the end other end of the spectrum. And there's a whole bunch of things. Pitching, I think, was different. And this is the last thing I'll say, because I know hitting, I'd like to hear, you can go at bat to at bat. You know, you might have a couple good innings mm -hmm. and then give up a run in one inning or two innings. Like, you don't want to change anything drastically. Yeah, it's true. But 
But it's never thought of that. Yeah, but to your point, as a reliever, that was more like a hitter where you know you had two scoreless outings and you went out and you yeah. can't get anybody out. You come in and you walk two guys with the bases loaded when you were trying to pick up the starter. It's like, ugh, you feel terrible for him and for you. And he's looking at you like, what are you gonna change? <laughs> like, don't bring that guy <laughs> in after me. So, you know, there is a little peer pressure too. But uh I usually use I think the the item that you use, let's use Tucker, for example, the batting gloves mm-hmm. is really just a trigger to change your mindset and your mentality. It's to it's to whatever That's exactly right. Right. What did Kevin Costner say in that movie? Clear the mechanism or something? Yep. Clear the mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're trying to do. And that's what makes those movies so entertaining is that all you're trying to do is hit the reset button. And however any player can do that, oh, so like true. I said, whether it be a shirt, a shoelace, a, you know, uh, a night out on the town, I mean, whatever you got to mm-hmm. do, do it because you're going to be back at the ballpark next, the next day and in the lineup. So give me, yeah. give me some well, stories. That's what's crazy about baseball is you got to make that adjustment quick. And, you know, you're, like you said, I didn't even think about for a pitcher, if you're in the middle of the game and you're going great and then you just have a little bit of a hiccup, you know, you're not going to, you can't change your uniform. I mean, maybe you could change the glove, but it's obvious if you make that change because they're like, oh, he's panicking and you don't want to yeah. look like you're panicking. And that sometimes can be the issue when you do put on the batting gloves for the first time in two years. You're like, oh, this guy's desperate. Yeah. But you do get desperate because you don't want to suck. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right about trying to change the mindset. You're trying to interrupt the, the issue at hand. And you can do everything mechanically. You can get in the bullpen. You can get in the cage. You can hit off the tee. You can change bats. You can do this. Ultimately, you need the the mind is the one that's in the slump, not necessarily the physicality. And if the brain gets in the way, the hands aren't going to react, the body's not going to react appropriately. And I love that you said it's it's a reset button. It's it's saying, you know, if if I think about putting on my batting gloves, that's going to interrupt my routine, and I'm going to be like, man, I hate these. You're turning to Ricky Bobby, and you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be like, I don't know what to do with these gloves on. And then you go hit, and all you're thinking about is how weird it feels with the gloves on. Yeah. And all of a sudden, your swing all of a sudden unloads, and you're like, hey, this is great. I was thinking about something else. Uh, you know, for me, I would I would do the batting gloves. I would train. I would try different bats. Uh, I would do, I did the same thing you did with the undershirts. I had like fifteen different undershirts. And I was like, this one's hot. We're going with this one. Uh, it would be the way I put my shoes on and be like, got to go left to right, you know, right to left. Or what did I do to get, you know, what I do today when I got four hits, what I have for lunch, you know, those are kind of the weird routine superstitious type things. But there was one thing I actually did in particular that I I took a lot of, it was, it was kind of entertaining, uh, was a lot of grief, but you know, if I've been on teams that were like the Astros right now, whereas a team, you're really struggling and, when we would travel back in our day, <laughs> we had one. <clears throat> we had one bat bag. We didn't have individual bat bags when I first started playing. What a shame! So there'd be this bat bag that would hold like I know, right? How did we <laughs> get? We had by? to throw all our bats in together. <laughs> My bat had to touch his bat and our bat. <laughs> <laughs> so all of our bats are in this one massive bat bag, and there'd be fifty bats in this thing. And I would, I would go into the trainer's room. I'd make a production out of it too. I'd start screaming, saying stupid stuff, you know. Like, uh, you know, like Crash Davis, you know, sacrificing the chicken and things like in yeah. Bull Durham. But I would go grab, we had the the Costco size Advil oh, bottles yeah. in the training room. Only nine and of those. I, 
<laughs> yeah, there'd be like just nine yeah, lined up in the just training one, room. One Costco size. Yeah, you didn't, and you didn't put it in your hand. You just kind of put your mouth around it. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I took the thing and I'd go in the middle of the clubhouse and I'm like, boys, you know, we're struggling. We're going to get this thing going on the road trip. And we, it'd be getaway day and we'd be getting ready to go. And I'd take the bat bag into the middle of the room and I'd take that Costco sized jar of, of Advil and I'd empty it into the bat bag and it was this was before gel caps so it was that chalky you know right. tan colored pill yep i like and i'd stuff. fire them in there they'd go everywhere it was like remember plinko that game plinko or going everywhere yep yeah so it's you just hear this rattling around advil are flying all over the clubhouse most of them are going into the bag zip it up put it on the bus we'd go to the next city we'd open them up and i mean those pills disintegrate, man. Yeah. Everybody's back came out with this white chalk on it. Everybody's like, That's son great. of a bitch, plum, damn it, you ruined a kid. No, they're repine tarring everything, wiping them off. We go out there, score 12 runs. I'm like, told you so. I'm like, you sons yeah. of, you know, but yeah. we had a blast doing it. Um, I be, I've even, I even got That's to the point one. where I was struggling myself and I would take the Advil and a piece of tape and wrap the Advil around the barrel. There you go. Just, you know, trying to, trying to cure the barrel because it wasn't me, it was the bat. That's right. And uh, that was one of the things. And there was also another thing that would, uh, if we were struggling on the road, uh, when you take batting practice, usually there's a bat boy uh, on the bucket in center field that would collect all the baseballs that are being hit. You throw them to the bucket, he'd put them in the bucket take the bucket back to the mound and give them, you know, put them in another bucket for the BP pitcher to continue to have baseballs. If things got bad enough, I would go on the bucket and I would start collecting balls on the bucket. And when they said, Hey balls, you know, bring the balls in. We need balls. I would come trucking in, you know, with this goofy run on the road, you know, and I'd get the bucket and granted, you know, these buckets hold, you know, 60, 70 baseballs. Oh yeah. And I would get to the, to the the rack that holds the baseballs for the BP pitcher, and I'd fake sniper, sniper just, and then I'd, and I'd throw the baseballs up in the air, just yard yeah. sale them, oh, and really? just and just every guy in that group laugh. would be like, "You mother son of a!" And we'd all there'd be six guys picking these baseballs up. I, I was so successful at it one time in uh, Wrigley Field that I actually got like the the crowd applauded. They like oh, ah, they were like, "Whoa, it was awesome!" And we go out and score 12 runs, but it's just that hiccup and that interruption in the psyche that sometimes exactly gets you out right. of the slump. Yeah. yeah. But just uh, for fun, Google Mark Grace slump buster, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, it's a good topic, and uh, I, I had a couple thoughts about it because I think my mindset was a little bit different. You know, you're worried about this. I, I went to winter ball in Puerto Rico one time, and, you know, I'd had a year in AA or AAA, and the pitching coach there was like, all right. You know, this is make or break. If you want to make the big leagues, this is what you got to do. So I was in desperation mode sometimes. Like, all right, change your mechanics. Like, hold the ball like this. And you're like, <laughs> but I think what I learned now being out of the game, and this is going to tie in nicely with what you said, simpler is better. And it really is a mindset. Mm -hmm. All this is is a mindset. You don't need to, like, start throwing left-handed or be a submarine <laughs> pitcher. You need to believe in yourself and your ability. And that's much easier said now than, you know, than then. And I think that's yeah. that's all we're trying to do is changing that mindset. I mean, that's the most important piece of this is change the mindset. You obviously had some years in the big leagues to do that. You hung around guys that were really good at that. Uh, we have, I've already told my two or three or 10 Trevor Hoffman stories that I have playing with him mm -hmm. uh, in instructional league when he became a pitcher and going to the fall league with some of these guys that were just 
a mess in the bullpen, but they were really good at keeping it light and loose so that when pressure time came and when you had to go perform, you could just your, let your natural ability take over. And I think that's something that you probably acquired over the years as well. And I think it's a great, uh, it's a great tool to have. And it sounds like the, uh, the Astros are well on their way to, you know, Making that happen as Michael, as uh, yep. Michael, as Tucker, Kyle Tucker wears batting gloves. Hopefully, they do turn it around. You know what you can't control, Tuttle, is when you're on the mound, and this is, and amazingly enough, this happens for both pitchers and hitters, because there would be certain days where you knew a guy behind home plate would be effective for your strike zone that you wanted to throw with your two seamer mm-hmm. or your slider. You'd be able to hit a spot, get the call. And then as a hitter, I knew that certain guys were tight. And I, they wouldn't give the edges. You'd actually have to be on the plate with some of these pitches. But every once in a while, you actually run into an umpire that absolutely frustrates the living daylights out of both sides. But more often than not, hitters, because the strike zone is so big. First of all, I was thinking LeVon Hernandez is what came into mind. And I was Oh, blank. man, Eric Gray had a big on. one. We can, can we really talk about the 90 strike zone? The 90 strike zone was a joke. No, but I mean, but Tom Glavin and and Levon Hernandez for that one game, but Glavin would like throw the ball. He would he would just go, he would throw the ball to the spot a hundred times just to get 50 strikes. He just kept throwing it to the same spot. I mean, and he was like, Javi, I'm going to throw Javier it here Lopez all day. would sit in the other box, man, and yeah, get the yeah. call. That's right, Javi Lopez. You know, it's tearing that 1999 scab off, man. Yeah, there you go. What I wanted to talk about with him was more not that he was helping the pitchers or hurting the hitters or vice versa. We've talked about it ad nauseum on here. Consistency is what we want. I want consistency. Yes, I would like a bigger strike zone, but if I'm Unless hitting you my consistently spots, suck. Well, I still wanted him to consistently <laughs> suck. If I if he was consistently calling that pitch, and that's what that's actually kind of what Schwarber was saying. I think. Um, I'm not a lip reader, but you go after his. He was saying that you are such a mess. You're all over the place. You know, this, you're calling this over yep. here. You're calling this over there. Look, they're upset. We're upset. Like, I'm speaking for everybody, <laughs> which that was my favorite True. part of the whole thing is that he wasn't trying to say that he was terrible just for them and you're screwing us. You're screwing everybody out here. You're making a mockery of this. And, and my topic around that was a, a subtly different, which is the consistency you want, yes, but. But why can't there be a merit system? We hear about it with the NFL, like this crew is not going to work again because they made that pass interference call and it was a crucial thing, or they made eight mistakes. The NBA referees get item, you know, uh, you know, get evaluated. Um, I mentioned soccer already. I know the Premier League, they get their schedule like three weeks in advance. You know, they know that this guy grew up in this area. He can't ref that game. I mean, they have it all plotted out, and then they rate you and evaluate you and how many times you go to VAR and how many times, you know, they thought they're, you know, you missed a call. And I am, I'm assuming that they have this in major league baseball. I just don't know how to, how they utilize it because Angel Hernandez, Joe West comes to mind. Now Joe West is a unique character in his own right, but it almost seems like there is no penalty and there is no repercussion for consistently not doing your job correctly. And I don't think there's any other job I always joked about being a meteorologist, like a weatherman. Like <laughs> now, people don't understand yeah. that that's still just a predictive thing. Like if they say, "Hey, there's a twenty percent chance of rain tomorrow, and it doesn't rain," people get pissed off. And like, no, 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 I didn't but say it was, it was gonna rain. rain. I was giving you a percentage, <laughs> and it was more likely mm-hmm. that it wasn't gonna. Like you know, so we're not all mathematicians and probabilistic um, folks, but I feel like uh, 
Major League Baseball needs to do something about the umpiring. What say you? I, I do, and I know that you know there's a couple of good follows on Twitter. Uh, you know, there's an ump scorecard that they actually track all the pitches and say how it affects, and they have an algorithm that says you know who did it cater to most or give the advantage to. Um, but th- there is an evaluation system. I know that this day and age, with you know Hawkeye, TrackMan, and some of these other technologies that are actually tracking every single pitch, I can go to BaseballSavant.com. And I can track every single pitch on a on a on an illustrated uh, uh, strike zone with dots, and it'll show you exactly where the pitch was. You know, so there there are ways to actually get very accurate determinations on whether or not they're making the right call or not, and how it right. affected at bats and things like that. So there is the ability to to analyze and put a percentage to how many pitches are getting right now. You know, I think the major league average is right around 92%. And then all of a sudden, recently, we've seen guys at like 82%. You know, I think yeah. Angel Hernandez was right around that 80%. And that's that's a lot. That's you a know, lot. that's a 12% swing. So that's not a good thing. And I do feel, I don't, I think a couple guys, I'd have to, I'd have to do a little more uh, research on it, but I do think there have been a couple of guys who have been, you know, either taken off a series or given a weekend off to kind of regroup, reboot, like we talked regroup. about. <laughs> Um, and because they need to, to really focus and hone in on things. But I think the idea for uh, the Major League Baseball umpires is we're getting this evaluation uh, every four days on your, your, your ability to call balls and strikes. So you have the three or four days to recalibrate and adjust and redeem yourself. So I think they get evaluated. They get warned. They have another op- opportunity or two to correct the issue. And if they do correct it, if they get back to 90, 90, 92%, I think Major League Baseball starts to look the other way. But when you start having those consistent back to back to back at 80%, then they're kind of like, we need to uh, have a conversation or get your eyes checked. Should we panic if Angel Hernandez comes out his next game with batting gloves? He's just trying to, yeah. like, yeah. He's going to wear batting gloves like Tucker is doing. He's going he's hey, to get out know. of the slump. I'm going to get out of the yeah. slump. Or Angel Hernandez wearing batting gloves. We're like, hey, he's doing what Kyle Tucker did. Yeah, he's going to bring out yeah, the old yeah. school pillow as a chest protector. Yeah, with the... <laughs> Tick it under his chin and be like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is much better. That's This is much but better. Dude, now I can call balls and strikes. I mean, umpires that wear glasses are gutsy enough, but what if, like, what if uh, Angel Hernandez showed up and all of a sudden hey. he's got, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's goggles on and he's out there calling games just, like, cross <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that would be you know, great. I want to I want, I want do a, 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 an anonymous survey of how many umpires wear contacts so that the fans won't see great. them wearing glasses that yeah. would be freaking hilarious. well like you said and wearing glasses i mean again this is not this is an art form i'm not we're not advocating 92 percent's a good number and we know take some said pride this before. That's where's right. that that's what i want to know yeah i totally agree with you this is an art form and we've talked about it here. It's not a perfect science. We don't want, like you said, that pitch off the plate called strike three to win the World Series and then have them go to video replay and go, no, no, sorry, it was ball four. The other team won the World Series. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> That's not how we want this. But as we go back to Schwarber's incident, which got you know Angel Hernandez and some of the strike zone stuff under the microscope, we know they can track this stuff. We've seen it for years. Like you said, you know, the star track system, all of these things that you can can see where all the pitches are plotted. I don't know what the right percentage is. I just know as a pitcher and you as a hitter, we just want it to be consistent. If you're giving me two inches off the outside corner, you see hitters all the time go, hey, is that as far out as you're going to go? Or, hey, you know, I had that down. Is that, you know, you're going to, yep. 
and then the next pitch is a little further out and they call a strike and that's when the uh, that's when hitters get fired up because they're like hey look you told me that the last pitch is as far out as you're going and that one was a little further you know let's let's get some consistency here and i think we've talked about it enough to know that that's really what they're talking about and that's really what they're looking for i don't think major league hitters expect the umpires to be perfect um, now with like no. safe and out at first base, you know, the replay will help them tags at second base. The strike zone is still kind of the last bastion of an art form. And you want a guy who's highly skilled and consistent back there. You know, who has a high strike zone, you know, who has a low strike zone, um, you know, mm-hmm. who's consistent. And I think the most frustrating thing from a fan's perspective the other night, I mean, first of all, Everybody always goes to the one nothing aspect. I don't care. I like a one nothing game. I'm a pitcher. I mean, like people always want to use offense, but when it's a one nothing game with like 26 punch outs and half of those punch outs were balls that were six or eight inches off the plate, I think you're starting to lose credibility and you're losing kind of, you're going to lose the true fan. And it tarnishes what the pitcher's actually going out there and doing. You know, I'm, I'm with you that, you know, you get these. What, you know, it was uh, Justin Verlander's no hitter was a two nothing game, but it was so well pitched and the and the at bats were so aggressive and and entertaining because of the cat and mouse. Um, you know, Garrett Cole had a sixteen strikeout game. It was relatively low scoring. It was like five or you know five or six nothing, but it was it was entertaining to watch the evolution of the game and the the the. the the stuff that Garrett Cole was bringing. And as a defense, you I mean, it's entertaining to you too because you know the ball is going to be put in play. But if you just get these egregious calls, it puts everybody on their heels and it makes it, it takes the attention away from the game. And that's what frustrates the hell out of me with Angel Hernandez is whether or not he's trying to be good or trying to be bad, I don't know what the heck's going on with that guy. But the focus is him. Yep. I hate that part of it. Yep. And I've talked to so many great umpires around the league and still do. I had a great conversation with Greg Gibson in Seattle, nice. who, you know, we reconnected because we were staying at the same hotel. And I'm like, you know, the best umpires are the ones that you don't know are there, That's you know, right. that kind of kind of just fade into the background, make the calls, and you get to watch the game. Don't become the focus of the game. And Angel Hernandez is the focus, like you said with Jerry, uh, Joe West, Jerry West, Joe West. <laughs> is they became the focus, and I hated that part of it. Yeah. Let's get the focus off the umpires, and uh, let's take a break and uh, let our sponsors jump in here, and uh, we'll be back in a flash to talk some more baseball and uh, maybe some NBA playoffs. Welcome back uh, to the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Bleacher Blums Podcast. We're happy to have you listening in. We just got... Done kind of railing on uh, the beautiful Angel Hernandez game. And to finish up that thought, I was just going to say, that's what we say for our kids' games, everything else. There's some nutty parents. There's some nutty fans out there. But the umpires, the referees should not be the focus of the game. And the best ones are not. They're just very skilled at their mm-hmm. at their um, craft. And we got to give them a little more credit because it's so nice that they fly under the radar. You know, you hear on the NFL specifically, this guy's been refereeing for 22 years in the NFL. And you're like, damn. And we don't know his name and we don't know anything about him. That's great. <laughs> that's the way it should be. And that's the way they most of them want it. I And this will, I didn't think about this, but I was watching some of the NBA playoffs this weekend, specifically the Warriors. And I, I think the, is it the Nuggets they're playing? Yeah, I guess Denver Nuggets. And you and I have joked about the general public before, but because the high, you know, high def TVs and everything is so great, every time they go to commercial, they're showing like an inbounds pass or dunk. I saw probably a 58 year old man 
in the front row with like a Nuggets t-shirt, like, you know, right in Steph Curry's face, like, you know, and I'm like, I would be so embarrassed. Like, I know we went from umpire referee. I'm like, so you can be a fan or a fanatic, you know, and then the Kyrie thing where those guys were yelling at him and he flipped them off, but they were flipping him off and they were just booing him. It's flipping like, everybody off, yeah. that's got to be more embarrassing for a fan. I mean, at least Kyrie Irving's making $30 million and he's skilled at what he's doing and he can be annoying or, you know, you don't have to like the guy, but man, I, Please, Blum, you will kick me off this podcast if you ever see me on national TV in the front row, like <laughs> making crying eyes at Steph face, Curry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, this dude, this is how he's spending his Sunday afternoon. Like that's going to have an effect on Steph. Like what? what is the what is the purpose of that? Like doing that to Steph Curry or doing that to any other professional athlete? I mean, you could do, do it to the 12th man on the bench. Don't do it to guys like Steph Curry or Kyrie Irving. These guys, all of a sudden, it's like Reggie Miller and Spike Lee. All of a sudden, you go, oh, you're, you're paying attention to me? Well, well yeah. watch this. I'm going to go out here and just dunk on your team and fire three-pointers and just destroy your, your efforts. And then guess who's going to go home crying? It, it's, it's hilarious. But it, how amazing is it? There has to have been some psychology tests on this. It's amazing to me that the sport itself can actually like actually transform a human being into that. Yep. <laughs> I know there's been some stuff and that goes I guess I I know we get I think from a psychological perspective you brought this up before we know that fan is short for fanatic but I think we de emphasize the word by saying fan. Oh, you're a fan? You know, it's like well, it makes you're it a fun. fanatic. It makes it like, hey, check yeah, it, it makes it a little lighter, team. but let's yeah. remember what it's short for. And and the last thing on this that I was going to say is that I think you're right. There's a transformation, a psychological transformation, but are you really a fan if you're going out there? And we know that the era has changed and you can get on Twitter. I saw John Morant shooting a free throw last night towards the end of the game. There was a guy in the front row with his camera out like oh. trying to get himself like so he held it up this way he's got himself the court and then the free throw line in the back like just he's got to mm-hmm. get this perfect line of John Morant and it and and it's funny because Patrick Beverly is known for talking oh, he, smack yeah. on the court Houston fans know him pretty well yeah well he was saying John Morant was too short so he he like put he gave him the little like sign John Morant went down and threw down a dunk and then did it back to him <laughs> and they were doing this like hey little shorty <laughs> I like that it was hilarious but it's them it's their game you know yeah. they're talking smack it's like uh you know pitchers and hitters when Clemens brushes yep. you off right and Piazza like throws like that's the contest that's the gladiator that's the man yes. in the arena you as the fan should stay out of the arena just like the umpires, right? <laughs> you should not be noticed. You should not be heard from. You, I mean, obviously, collective clapping and cheering, but that was something I didn't intend to talk about. I was just laughing, just thinking <laughs> about this guy, like, oh, TV, like, you step That's what's amazing to me, too, man, about, like, all these pictures that are taken. Like, my, I'll, I'll show my daughters. A, I, I'm like, check out this great picture of me and Mike Trout. And they'll be like, well, look at the guy in the background. Why is he making that face? Look at how it caught him. I'm like... Dude, the picture is the picture of me and Mike Trout, but you're looking yeah. at like 38 yeah. other people in the background. That's like how it's become. And like, and yeah. you know, to your point, when you watch these slow motion videos and highlights, you know, you you know what's happening and you you appreciate it, but you're like, look at that guy's face. Look yeah. at look at that guy in the back. He has his finger in his nose, and it's like yeah, you just start so, yeah. noticing all these random things in the background. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's because we're in this Twitter verse. By the way, I'm rarely yeah. on Twitter, not nearly as much as you are. I follow you. And, and many other folks that are related to our profession in podcasting. But uh, 
I did you see that little Twitter blurb? This is another topic I didn't intend to talk about where the security guard was watching that lady. Did you see that one? No. In Boston. You? Oh, it's no. great. I should send it to you. It was like 30 seconds. So the security guy's got his little black placard on. He's got a sport coat. This is NBA also. And there's a lady sitting like right behind front row courtside. And she looked a little fidgety or agitated. And this guy was staring at her and staring at her. And as soon as the whistle blew, she jumped over the front row to get on the court. The guy beat her to the punch. He tackled her. I got to send it to you. Wow. And if anybody's listening to this podcast and know, knows what I'm talking about, please that guys you know, are tell us your comments. Day, huh? Dude, it was incredible. I mean, he basically like, I, I see you on my screen this way, but he was like yeah, fish staring iner. at her like this. Staring at her, fish iner. She jumped that like between two chairs and he was he like beat her to the punch. On it was it. incredible. I was like, that is money. Yeah, it's outstanding. He knew, he knew she wanted to be a part of the the action <laughs> and he tackled her flat, like right before she, you know, right on the corner of the court. It was incredible. Well done, um, that guy. Yeah, well done, that guy. So hey, here's my thought. And we've talked about like talking about movies and books, and I don't know if this is a what'll tuttle say, but uh, I heard on um another sports talk show where um, they had, you know, because the NFL draft is tomorrow and they're just talking about all these guys and they're doing the mock drafts and the scouting reports. But they had one of the guys on that does the mock drafts, can't remember his name, and he was doing scouting reports on uh, on movie uh, football players. So he was doing like Bobby Boucher and he was doing, uh, <laughs> oh, it was, it was great. He's like, well, Bobby Boucher, he drinks too much water. He's a little rough around the edges. Like, And he, he gave a scouting report. I thought it'd be really fun on here if we could do scouting reports on some like, you know, Roy Hobbs. Like, yeah, Roy Hobbs would be great in the one true outcome. Like, you know, in, in, <laughs> right? Like, no, you're yeah. laughing, but it'd be fun to like, maybe oh, every man. week we just have a scouting report. You give your scouting report, I give mine, you know, Nuke Lelouch. And yeah, you just do it what like you in the era of the, of the guy played. Like, this guy's just a dandy swing at the home Yeah, plate. that would be great. <laughs> anyway, so I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag, but I mean, maybe the, I like the, the listeners could give us some suggestions of guys we should do a scouting report on. I mean, there's so many baseball movies, right? Like, yeah, this Joe yeah. Jackson guy, you know, Shoeless Joe, he seems like a good player and, you know, he has good ethics, we think, but, you know... Anyway, yeah, but he's got so, sensitive feet. Can't wear the shoe. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So anyway, I thought it'd be really bunions. fun. Yeah, it'd be really fun to kind of do <laughs> the mythical characters do a scouting report on these guys. Shoeless Joe is probably a different one because he was a real actual player. But uh, you know, Crash Davis scouting report, Nuke Lelouch, Roy Hobbs, oh um, maybe gosh, even yeah. the the uh, uh, league of their own. Like, do some scouting reports on. Gosh, yeah. if she could just Dude, get I'd you do know, Ricky Bobby. I mean, we could do just sports movies in general yeah. and have some fun with it. Oh man, I thought it'd be fun. So uh, I, I heard just heard I like some really idea. good, yeah, really good scouting reports. Bobby Boucher, who was another football one, the one from uh, Jim Rome redid oh, the movie, but uh, the movie from uh, the prison. Dude, Johnny B, Johnny be good. Uh, oh, yeah, Johnny be good. Yeah. Well, oh, man. Jerry Maguire. We could do the, the scouting yard. report on. Yeah, the longest yard. That's the one I was thinking of. Thank you. Yeah, that would be good. Anyway, like so it. just a thought. So let's see. I think it would be fun to do like the Roy Hobbs one is the one that came to mind. Like now we're in a one true outcome kind of world. It's like he's mm -hmm. all or nothing, you know. Anyway, I just thought that could have be been that. the could have been Shohei Otani before Shohei Otani. That's right. There you go, Shohei <laughs> Otani. So anyway, we can put some thought to that. But I, I heard it was really entertaining, and I thought, yeah, we're a baseball podcast, maybe. 
every so often we can give, like you said, a scouting report on a, on a, a movie athlete and see if they. Oh, I know oh the gosh, other one, Johnny awesome. Utah. That's what they were saying. Oh, Johnny yeah. Utah was on. Yeah, Ohio you know he's State fast. He's more of a runner. Doesn't throw. He can't make all the throws. But yeah, he was more of an option quarterback. And yeah, he's all heart, great. man. Yeah, he's all heart. So they know that he's a good team leader. You know, looks like he'll have a you know a career in the in the future, maybe in law enforcement or something like that. You know, they, <laughs> anyway, it was it was a good one. So I think that's a really good one. All right, that's all I got, Blummer. So what do you got? I guess you had an update um, for us, right? You got an update for us. Woo. Yeah. I do. do, 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 do. Uh, got an update on uh, the hot mic situation and something I didn't learn until after we got done with that last podcast. Obviously, the hot mic uh, for me went extremely well, apparently, because there are T-shirts floating around <laughs> and uh, and fan. I still have my job. That's probably the most notable thing is uh, that, that's turned out to be pretty good about it when I Crawford bocked the shit out of that. And uh, <laughs> and and I've come to find out that. All of the feeds, MLB.tv, you know, I thought it was a streaming service that came back early, but all the streaming services, Fubo TV, MLB.tv, uh, you know, all of Major League Baseball Network, AT&T Sportsnet, none, none of the professional outlets could find the hot mic situation. So I have come to find out that it was a pirated feed. Somehow somebody has hacked the internet again no. to get some of these feeds and um, I don't know if you heard about it last week, but uh, uh, there, there was a broadcaster for the New York Mets that uh, was caught on a similar situation in a break going, why are we showing all these Yankee highlights? And he, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't that bad, but he took a lot of grief from the New York media and the New York Yankee fans and all this kind of stuff. So, but somebody is actually pirating those feeds and streaming them out there, but I, I'm not sure how they do it. So that actually, what I'm trying to say is that actually helped me. Because it was yep. not, you know, it made it obvious that this was in a break, inadvertent, accidental. Absolutely. I do have to be more careful, but it actually saved the idea that, you know, I'm not being a complete jack wagon on air. <laughs> well, I mean, not any more than part. you that you yeah, not any more than you. you already are. The You're loved, right. The love blummer. <laughs> no, you know what's funny? And I will say it again on here. I'll end up saying this for a long, long time. I'm, I'm assuming. Anybody that has been in a baseball locker room uh, for 162 <laughs> games for 14 I years of their life. I appreciate this analogy yeah, of the okay. whole situation. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, you can't put these folks on air, you included, and expect uh, maybe some language to be, you know, always on color and on point, and especially when it's a pirated feed. I mean, if a guy in New York is getting grief for saying, why are we showing all these Yankees highlights? There's no swearing in there. And now he's getting grief from something like that. Would th yeah. Now we're getting into AI, right? We're getting into like, what are you thinking when you're actually saying, oh man, gosh, I thought, you know, a step and a dive could have got him to that ball, but they get in your brain and say, that's a horseshit play. You're like, <laughs> you know. It's not That's fair, what meant right? To say. Yeah, well, I, I mean, one. right. Yeah, right. It's not it's not a fair assessment. And so I think to your point, I mean, you still have your job and, you know, these pirated feeds are getting out there. There must be I'm not a conspiracy theorist as we've said, but we end up talking about all these conspiracies. Um <laughs> Somebody that's pirating the feed is one thing. Like when we used to try and, you know, pirate cable from the neighbor, you're like, hey, let's get the cable mm -hmm. in there. But then they're releasing it on Twitter. Like people are watching it enough to be like, oh, hey, let's put this out on Twitter. I mean, those Everybody are the wants people. That gotcha moment. Yeah, it sucks. Right. Yeah, but a gotcha moment for something that's not really, again, now we're taking it too far. What are you thinking? Yeah. 
what are you actually thinking? Like, I could have made that play 20 years ago when I was in the big leagues. Like, I mean, you might have that thought. You and I are allowed to have that opinion, right? I still mm-hmm. think of myself True. as a young athlete. Like, hey, you know, I could have pitched in the big leagues for a lot longer if people weren't doing steroids. Like, I think that often. I don't know oh. if it's true, but I can still hold that opinion. So I think I'm glad totally to hear agree. that you you got some vindication from that. But I, I, it's frustrating to know that, you know, saying shit on air when you grew up in a clubhouse with guys, you know, you know, <laughs> slump buster guys rolling around the clubhouse and all kinds of other stuff that, you know, that that's the shocking thing that came out of the road trip. So anyway, hot mic be damned. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Tuttle always, always keeping it real and, and having the good comparisons to, to actually bring it back. And you're right. It did, it, it did bring me some comfort to know that. And a lot of things that bring me comfort is doing this podcast, being able to talk through some things and have some great ideas. I do want to let everybody know that I do, I, I did hear and I did read articles about the New York Yankee letter coming out. There was a lot of anticipation around that. I know that a lot of New York media, and pundits around the the league are saying it's a nothing burger to quote Jeff Passan. But I think that Tuttle and I are going to take, I'm going to take a day or two. Tuttle's going to take a day or two. We're going to talk about that in our next podcast. It'll be a little bit more brief. It'll be a little more focused on that idea. And uh, we'll have a chance to talk about that. So make sure you're staying tuned to the bleachers. Uh, We love talking baseball. We love talking sport and having a good time, but make sure that you stay tuned because here quickly, hopefully in the next couple of days, we'll we'll have an updated podcast talking about that breaking news of that New York Yankees letter coming out. Nice. I look forward to uh, reading all of the articles uh, related to that, and uh, hopefully we will have some uh, insight into maybe the reaction around Houston as well. Um, we want to thank uh, all of our listeners, of course, but specifically the military, first responders, fire, police, Doctors, medical workers, um, we finally got rid of masks on an airplane. We got rid of masks everywhere, but it sounds like COVID is still in existence. So, you know, be well, take care of yourself. Um, we want to give a shout out to uh, everyone that is uh, out there doing things that um, enable us to do this podcast and provide the the freedoms here in America that, uh, that we so desperately cherish, especially with, uh, you know, what we're seeing going on in Russia and the Ukraine and all of that stuff. So we got to be more thankful than ever. If you're over the age of 45, please get screened for colorectal cancer and get after it and believe it. There you go. Believe it. Yeah. Hopefully my hotel internet works. Welcome into the bleachers.